Hello, and welcome to another session of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Poling. I'm happy to invite you today to listen to us in our chat about financials and reporting. This is episode two of season two. Last week, our premiere episode for season two was value add. Thanks to all of you that have provided us feedback on that session. Uh, it was a great session. We really enjoyed having everyone uh, join us. We've got another wonderful session scheduled for you today. I am Pat Poling. I am the uh, CEO and co-founder of Mara Poling. Uh, Bill Mara is my partner. And we are very blessed to have a wonderful team of professionals that we work with uh, providing all of our clients with what we hope is uh, excellent service and uh, stable, secure, tax advantaged cash flow and equity growth from these uh, exciting multifamily investment opportunities that we have access to. Our session today is educational in nature. We're not looking to sell anybody anything. Uh, with that in mind, we not only have the podcasts that obviously you have found and we would encourage you to subscribe to, uh, we have a webinar series that is aligned with all of the podcasts that we do. Uh, last week's value add session, uh, the webinar for that is coming up in a week. So if you haven't registered for that yet, please go to uh, marapoling.com. That's M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com and to the Learning Center at marapoling.com. And there you'll find not only links to the podcast, but you'll find uh, registrations for each of the upcoming webinars. And if it's a webinar that you missed and you weren't able to get registered for You'll find recordings there as well that you can uh, listen to. You, recordings are great. You really want to try and be live at the webinars if you can, because at the webinars, we have live uh, discussions that we're able to have. We get a great Q&A going, and there's always some wonderful material that comes out there uh, that just wasn't planned as being part of the session uh, from all the great dialogue that we get. So thanks for joining us today for financials and reporting. Uh, keep in mind the uh, the webinars. And with that, let's go ahead and uh, dive in. Financials and reporting. We're talking about two things that are very closely aligned. So financials, uh, and for those of you that are not accountants, I'm an accountant, so my apologies. Uh, for those of you that are not, our accountant, not accountants, we're going to go through and talk about some of the key elements you want to look at in financials. Uh, the financials, for example, that we provide to our investors are uh, quite detailed, have a great deal of information in them. We try to point our clients towards those key factors, but we also provide the other detail. You may or may not receive that level of detail from either your uh, asset managers, if you work with someone like us, or from your accountant, if you happen to own a property yourself and you have a, an accountant, CPA, bookkeeper that does your uh, financials for you. We also wanna talk about reporting. And the distinction that we make there is this, is the financials are the financials. It's math, it's accounting, and so on. Reporting is the analysis that goes along with that. And that's a really critical component of understanding how your money has been invested and making decisions about what should be done as we go forward to optimize the performance of that asset. Uh, you should know how your investment's performing. The good performance that it's happening, having, uh, that's always wonderful to hear. The poor performance and the real challenges. Uh, so it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, if you don't know what's going on with your investment, you really should. And what we want to do today is help you get a sense of what we think benchmark financials and reporting 
uh, should look like. And if you're not getting that, uh, this may help you with the conversation you need to have with either your CPA or your, or your accountant if you're doing these yourself, or the conversation you need to have with your asset manager. So let's get started. Uh, we're going to talk a little about uh, the industry. We're going to talk about the key elements of financials, about uh, reporting. We'll also talk a little bit about data security. That's an important element for uh, everyone to be keeping in mind. Uh, and we're going to try and do that within the next uh, uh, handful of minutes here uh, so that we don't take an enormous amount of your time. You can always, as we said, find more detail at uh, marapoling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com uh, at the Learning Center. Uh, this is not the best way maybe to start uh, this conversation. Uh, this industry stinks. This is the most embarrassing part of being a part of this uh, sponsor industry, asset management industry, and multifamily, whatever you want to call it. Reporting is terrible. It simply is not the level that it should be. Uh, it's one of the areas that uh, really annoys me uh, as not just as a sponsor, right, in terms of what we do and working with our clients, but as an investor. I have a number of investments that are outside of our portfolio. Uh, they're investments I've made with retirement funds, and there's regulations about where you can and can't invest those, and I can't invest them in my own assets that I manage, so I invest with other sponsors. Uh, and the level of reporting that we see uh, leaves something to be desired. We'll simply leave it at that. Uh, our reporting experience comes from years of managing institutional grade assets with publicly traded companies that were uh, subject to uh, enormous regulations, things like Sarbanes-Oxley and so on, uh, and uh, needing to work with them in such a way with clear and very uh, detailed reporting such that they could then include that in their quarterly conference calls and annual reports and so on. And so we have always taken uh, financials and reporting very seriously. It's one of the things that we think separates uh, a really strong asset manager from one that may uh, not be as focused on uh, managing your uh, money appropriately. Uh, so that's, that's the precursor, if you will, to all of this. Uh, we believe that everyone has a right to expect accurate, timely, intelligible reports that include explanations of performance, action plans, especially for areas that need improvement, and guidance on what the future is going to look like. Those are the benchmarks. If that's not your experience today, that's what you ought to be asking for. So let's look at financials and how financials fit against those items that we just laid out. The most critical financial that I look at is NOI, net operating income. Uh, I look at NOI as the hub that really drives the entire machine. Uh, what's NOI? Net operating income is the income that results from the very nice people that live in these properties paying their rent, and the operating expenses, things like paying property taxes and the gardener and for pool maintenance and the utility bills and those sorts of things. Uh, and that money that's left over, that is the net operating income. Now, that operating income, NOI, that's before you get into mortgage payments. So it's before you have uh, debt service. It's before you get into reserves uh, for 
uh, capital improvements or other uh, activities along the, along those lines. Uh, NOI is the uh, financial metric that the industry uses, the commercial industry uses for valuing the asset. Uh, that's tied back to cap rates. We had a conversation about cap rates last week, so I'm not going to duplicate that. You can go back and listen to value add. We've also got a session coming up uh, later this uh, season in uh, the latter part of September uh, and an associated webinar in October uh, titled It's Just Math. And that's where we go into a little more detail on, on cap rates. Uh, cap rates are an essential part of how you determine the value of an asset. If you were going to market what you would sell that for. And it is a uh, cap rates is set by the market uh, from supply and demand inside the marketplace, but it's applied to net operating income. So again, net operating income is that key component. In order to understand net operating income, you have to analyze the individual components. What are the average rents? Uh, how do those relate to what we expected them to be? How do those relate to where the market is? Vacancy. Uh, vacancy is a term that uh, is thrown around a great deal and isn't necessarily always understood. When we say vacancy, we mean effective vacancy, total vacancy. Vacancy that include, includes, pardon me, not only physical vacancy, so how many units actually were not occupied at the time that we were looking at this. Bad debt, so how many people owed us money, right? They moved out, their lease expired and they moved out, uh, they were evicted and they're gone, they skipped, right? So they up and vanished in the middle of the night. How much did they owe us and how much of that did we fail to collect? So it had to be written off. And concessions. Uh, you know, if we're renting units for $1,000 a month and we're giving a month away free, well, we're not renting for $1,000 a month. We're renting for whatever that is, you know, $920 a month, something like that. Um, so we want to track concessions and concessions is part of that vacancy number. And again, how does vacancy relate to what our expectations were and so on? Uh, there's some other income numbers. Uh, they're often not terribly significant, but for some assets they can be, especially if there's utility reimbursements and uh, a lot of other amenities like um, uh, uh, covered parking that might be uh, a revenue generator or uh, some other factors uh, like that. That gives us an income number. And then we've got operating expenses and each of those operating expense line items uh, should have a target set for it, a budget set for it, uh, and then some analysis uh, against it. That income minus those expenses, that gives you net operating income. So in order to understand net operating income, we have to understand these other items. Are we making net operating income, but we're doing it because we're missing our targets on operating expenses, but we're actually overperforming in terms of income. Great, we're making the NOI number, but on those items that we are not hitting our targets on, what are we doing about it? Those kinds of factors. Uh, so that's uh, the, the component that really drives from the income statement part of this. There's a cash flow component as well, and this is where we get into, all right, we've got NOI, now there's some other things we need to spend before we can distribute cash to investors. And again, whether you're an investor in a multifamily asset with a firm like Mara Poling, or whether you own uh, an eightplex, uh, or you and a couple of friends of yours own a 40plex, 
you go through the exact same math, your NOI, and then you subtract from that other cash that needs to get paid. Debt service is the largest of that, right? So you got to pay the note. That may be a fully amortizing note, right? So you're paying principal and interest. It might be a note where there's some interest only periods uh, and you're inside that um, particular uh, time frame of the uh, note. Whatever the debt service is, this is where that's paid. There's some reserves that either you are setting aside or your lender may be setting aside. Uh, and after all of that, you get down to, here's the cash I actually have to distribute. Again, there's targets for each one of those items where there should be targets for each one of those items. When we do an underwrite uh, to purchase an asset, we build a budget, a pro forma, an acquisition pro forma for each particular line item that we just described. And we do that with some degree of conservatism. We talk about that again in one of the other sessions uh, later um, this, uh, this season. Uh, but for now, just uh, let's just talk about the fact that we actually build that. So we have, when we purchase the property, we have a model that says, this is what we expect in terms of performance over the next five years or seven years or whatever the hold period is that we've forecasted for it. And there is one thing that we know with absolute 100% certainty the day that we acquire that asset. It will not perform the way our performance says. The world simply doesn't look like that. Nobody's performance is going to be that accurate. And we actually aren't trying to be accurate. We're trying to be conservative. We, we really expect and hope uh, that as our plan uh, evolves and as our implementation uh, takes hold, that we will overachieve this performa. We also wanna be prepared for the challenges that exist in the real world. And that's why we're conservative because there will be line items that we will underperform on. One thing you may notice about some of the terminology I'm using, I'm not saying things like positive and negative. I'm saying uh, performing ahead of plan or behind plan. Uh, we love the terms favorable variances and unfavorable variances. It's very clear that's a good thing, that's not a good thing. Uh, positive and negative can, can be very confusing. I have a negative variance on an expense item. Okay, what exactly does that mean? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? If you have to ask that question, you don't have the kind of financials and reporting that is really gonna be as helpful to you as you could, could have. So those are some of the things that you want to uh, be able to look at. Let's, so those are some financials. There's a few more we're gonna talk about, but I wanna switch over to reporting for a moment and look at how the two of those link together. So as I said, we build this acquisition performa and we report against that performa. We report against that performa for the entire time that we own that asset. We are continually looking back and saying, how are we performing against what we believe the performance was going to be when we purchased this property? There's a couple of reasons we do that. One is, we wanna hold ourselves accountable to what we believe the performance was going to be when we purchased the asset. The other is, as I said, we know it won't be exactly that. We wanna learn from that analysis on a quarterly basis where there are variances so that we can improve our modeling process. So if we are consistently having unfavorable variances in an area, it may be due to a performance issue. It may be due to the fact that we simply didn't allocate the correct amount of expense, or we made a, a, a miscalculation in terms of bad debt or something else that we need to true up in our new modeling going forward. 
continually improving as we as we go through the entire cycle. So we want to balance our uh, uh, benchmark ourselves against that original performa. How often do we do that? We get financials every month, and from month to month, there certainly is a story that is told. It can also be distorted month to month because there may be activities that happen maybe near the end of the month where they happen one month and the next month there's maybe a corrective uh, activity, especially in the accounting world, there can be some adjustments and those sorts of things. So we look at financials, we manage to them on a monthly basis, we report on a quarterly basis. We believe quarterly is the right level of frequency. Um, again, we don't ignore financials on a monthly basis, but we report on a quarterly basis. So every quarter we report against that performa. And we do so for three different periods. So for example, uh, we just wrapped up uh, a period here. It's in, uh, middle of uh, middle of the year. So we reported on the current quarter how we performed against the performa. We also reported for the year to date how we performed against the performa. So for the entire year, not just this particular quarter. And we report, and this is important, from inception to date, from the day we purchased the property to today. What we don't wanna do is get distracted by or lose sight of the context of how the property has performed over those three different periods. So for example, we have a property that has underperformed since we purchased it. We are having unfavorable variances to NOI. The year to date has favorable variances and the current quarter has even more favorable variances. That tells a story. We obviously had some challenges when we first purchased the asset. We have made improvements and those improvements have continued to drive us back to being on plan. We're headed in that direction. That's whether you wanna call that a good news story or it's bad news that's improving, it certainly gives you the right context as opposed to simply looking at the current quarter and saying, wow, we're ahead of plan. Let's pat ourselves on the back. Good for us that we've made improvements. We're still not where we need to be and we need to continue that, that uh, movement going forward. The same can be said in terms of performance the other way. Uh, we have really outstanding performance right out of the gate and then we miss the mark and miss the mark and miss the mark and we're living off of the fat of the land, if you will. Both of those, con the context of that is very helpful. What happens when you get into the second year of ownership, the third year of ownership, the fourth year of ownership? At a certain point in time, there's been some divergence from the performa, both favorable and unfavorable divergence, such that the performa is not really an accurate tool to be benchmarking against to really understand what I thought was gonna happen this year. And that's why we also build budgets. So we use a terminology of performa, which is the acquisition performa and budgets. Other people may call it something different, but whatever they call it, uh, we think you should be looking at both of those. So annually, maybe it's the third year of ownership for that asset. There is the performa, which was put together three years earlier. Now you've got a budget put together for that year and the budget's going to have what we expect average rents to look like, what we expect vacancy and the three components to look like, what we expect the operating expense items to look like and so on and so on and so on. And then we report against those as well. So again, same timeframes, current quarter, year to date. Uh, we don't do inception to date because there is no budget, if you will, from inception to date. So that's five different 
versions of the same report of the same PL. That's a lot of material. And then line by line, there should be an analysis. How did we perform in terms of vacancy compared to Performa for each of those periods and compared to budget for current period and for year to date? And that story will tell a very comprehensive story about how the asset is performing. If it's favorable, let's talk about favorable variances. Love to see favorable variances. It's great. We don't necessarily learn a lot from favorable variances. We can make some assumptions about what caused them. Sometimes there's some real correlation and we know what caused it. But many times it's we're kind of sitting there going, well, good for us. We had, you know, our rents are higher than we expected them to be. Um, I think this is what caused it, but I don't necessarily be able to tell it. Unfavorable variances, it's often a lot easier to be able to say, oops, uh, this happened. And because of that, we had this unfavorable variance. If it's a favorable variance, we certainly want to do everything we can to explain what caused it to the extent that we can. Uh, we would love, obviously, to see that continue. Is there some plan that allows us to continue that? Or is this maybe a one-time or a short-term event? And then what's the guidance? Is, is this going to continue for another quarter? Was that it? Is it just, hey, that particular quarter, we had a really favorable variance? Uh, for example, uh, repairs and maintenance. Did we have a quarter where, gee, we just didn't have a lot of repairs and maintenance expense, so we had a very favorable variance? Um, but it was due to, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, the fact that we had uh, completed a number of our uh, improvements and we simply didn't have a lot of maintenance issues because uh, the assets are uh, that are in play are much newer. Uh, what's our guidance? Well, our guidance is yes, that continues, but not at the same pace because those assets are now gonna start aging. Those improvements will age and as they age, we'll have a more typical amount of repairs and maintenance. That's the kind of story that should be told. On an unfavorable variance, it's even more important. So let's say that we have an unfavorable variance uh, and let's let's take bad debt. Um, and this is one that um, it's not untypical uh, for this to be one of the items that if you're gonna have an unfavorable variance, this is where it can be. Uh, so you hit a string and uh, of quote unquote bad luck uh, you get some tenants that they don't pay their rent, they skip out, you have to do some evictions. And the next thing you know, bad debt, instead of being in line with expectations, is twice what it should be, three times what it should be. We, The explanation of, well, that's just bad luck, that is not an explanation. The explanation needs to be uh, really understood in terms of what was the root cause of that. Uh, what was the source of these tenants? Was there something about the qualification standards we used? Um, is there something about the uh, employment uh, that they were involved in? Just what can we learn from that that could help us improve things in the future? Was it the execution of our process? Did we provide the right notices when, then, when we needed to so that we could minimize the amount of bad debt? Um, because things do happen. Tenants do lose their jobs. People do have difficulty paying rent. Uh, but are we just letting them not pay us rent, right? Those are the kinds of things. So there has to be very clear understanding of what the root cause is. And what are we doing about it? What's the action plan? And you shouldn't, in a reporting scenario, you shouldn't be hearing about the report uh, and the analysis of this is what we are going to do about it. It should be a report that says, 
this is what we have done about it and what we are continuing to do and the corrective action that we have taken and are continuing to take in that will address this issue. And based on those corrective actions that have been taken and are continuing to be uh, implemented, this is the guidance we have for what performance will look like. And then there's an ability to benchmark against that guidance to see if in fact the corrective actions have worked. If this sounds overly detailed, it is detailed. You may choose not to engage in that much detail and just be satisfied that, hey, somebody's looking at it that detailed, that's great. And that is your decision to make. You also may want to know in this level of detail what is going on. So we encourage all managers uh, that do what we do to provide that level of detail to uh, their clientele. Back to financials. So we talked about NOI. Again, I, uh, in my personal opinion, it's kind of the hub that drives everything. Um, it certainly drives cash flow. Then let's talk about balance sheet for a minute. So uh, there's three items I always look at on the balance sheet. I certainly look at everything, but there's three items in particular that I pay attention to. So one is reserves. Uh, every month we reserve cash for lots of different reasons. We're reserving money to pay uh, the annual insurance policy, we're reserving funds to pay property taxes, we're reserving additional funds for capital uh, items. We also already have reserved funds for capital improvements that as we make capital improvements, we're drawing down. So some reserves are going up, some reserves are going down. Uh, the cash that's on hand in the balance sheet, is it sufficient for not just the operating cash that we need, but for near-term capital improvements, or do we need to move some cash around to be able to handle that? So that's clearly one of the items that we're gonna look at. The other is the capital program is reflected on the balance sheet. It does not show up on the income statement. It's not a part of NOI. So the unit improvements, for example, we talked about last week in value add, and again, that you can, uh, that you can see in prior podcasts or that you can see on a webinar, uh, and you can register for that, as we said, at uh, marapolling.com in the Learning Center. Those um, value-add improvements show up in the capital program. And so we want to be able to look at the asset side of the ledger and see the improvements that we've made and where they are. Uh, and what's the rate of those capital improvements? Is that in line with what we originally expected? The other thing that shows up on the balance sheet, and... Uh, in the way we report it, we don't report it uh, quarterly, we do it annually, it's simply more cost effective, um, but it could certainly be reported quarterly, is depreciation. The miracle of investing in commercial real estate is that you are investing in an appreciating asset, an asset that is growing in value, and yet for tax purposes, it is depreciating. We are writing the value of the asset off. And that depreciation number is at a critical component of the tax sheltering that can occur, uh, especially in a significant way during the first number of years of the ownership of an asset. And that's reflected again on the balance sheet. None of that shows up on uh, net operating income, none of those uh, tax implications from that standpoint. So those are the items that we would look at there. Now, there aren't um, pro forma forecasts for those uh, generally on a monthly or a quarterly basis. There may be some around capital program and around the reserves, um, 
for us, those generally aren't as detailed. They're more, we're going to invest uh, X amount of dollars per unit in uh, capital improvements uh, on the value add program. We'll budget in that uh, manner inside the Performa. Uh, how much of that happens in this quarter versus the next quarter can be affected by a number of items, primarily by simply how many units we have available to be able to do that with. Um, so we don't necessarily build a detailed Performa from a timing standpoint around capital program, but we do have an overall capital budget that we'll be able to report against. That's certainly something you should expect. Um, depreciation, uh, we have a model in the Performa, and then our cost segregation studies give us the uh, allocation targets that we'll be using based on the uh, IRS-approved uh, methodology that's used in those studies. Uh, it's uh, typically for us significantly greater, the amount of depreciation, more favorable, if you will, uh, than what we had modeled, again, like many of the other items that we have out there. So financials, those are the key points to look at. If you're going to dive in, if you can dive in deeper, that's fantastic. But at a minimum, understand what's going on with NOI and what's driving it. Understand how the cash you're receiving is calculated. Where does that come from? And then uh, understand uh, the balance sheet, the depreciation components, uh, so that you can make sense of the investment that you've made. You should be getting reporting that helps you understand that and that helps you get a sense of what the future is going to look like based on what the uh, current management uh, uh, is doing and says they're going to continue to do. The final piece that fits in all this is the security of that data. What we just described is a bunch of really, really information, uh, uh, valuable and interesting and intriguing information. Uh, and in addition to that, uh, if again, you're investing with uh, a firm like us or, uh, or with us directly, uh, you've got some personal data in terms of, well, how much have I invested in? What's my stake worth right now? And what's my cash return been and so on. So you get some sort of a quarterly uh, statement. How, how is all that secured? Um, uh, for example, uh, we don't send that information out via email uh, and we don't use snail mail for it. Now, if somebody really wants it uh, in that way, um, I'm sure there's a way to probably do that. Uh, we use some extremely secure uh, online tools uh, uh, through the portal uh, by Mara Polling that allows our clients to have access to that kind of information 24 seven, not just current performance, but they're able to go back and look at all of the uh, past reporting that's been done uh, since the inception of the particular investment they're involved in. Those are the kinds of tools that we believe everyone should be uh, using. Uh, not everyone has access uh, to tools like that, uh, but we believe uh, there should be something more, certainly more secure than getting things via email. Uh, and in this day and age, uh, some degree of accessibility that's outside of, uh, well, I sent you a copy, you should have it in your file, uh, sorts of things. So there you have it, financials and reporting. I hope you found this really valuable. Uh, don't forget to go to marapolling.com, the learning center, and register for the financials and reporting webinar. It's coming up uh, the first part of September. That'll give you a chance to not only hear some of this in a little more detail, and we can show you some of the reporting that we're talking about, uh, you'll also be able to ask questions and participate in the dialogue that 
uh, that other participants will, uh, will help us create. We've got some wonderful sessions coming up during the balance of uh, season two here. Like I said, we're gonna talk about math, we're gonna talk about the economic cycle, uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna help answer the question, are you really diversified? Uh, we'll talk about the documents you can uh, and should read uh, for any of these kinds of investments and a host of other items. All of those subjects are listed on the Learning Center at marapolling.com, so please uh, go check all of that out. I thank you for spending a little bit of time with us today. I hope you found that valuable, and I look forward to talking to you again soon.